The book of Romans, Romans chapter number one, Romans chapter number one. Thank you for the music. It's always great. Uh, special music, the choir, and even, even when we sing the hymns, that sounds good too. Uh, we make a great choir. And uh, so if some of you get, you know, say, oh, Pastor, I want to be in a choir. Say, you're already in the choir. It's when we need the congregational singing. We need you out there to help balance that out. Uh, but uh, we're going to be thankful for the opportunity we have to serve the Lord. I'm reading uh, out of the book of Romans, chapter number one tonight. And during the service this morning, you heard me mention uh, a couple of times what I was going to preach on this evening. The Lord impressed upon me uh, as the week got closer and closer to Sunday uh, to take today and preach these two messages, the one I preached this morning and the one I'm going to preach tonight to uh, keep us uh, on our toes, if you would, to give us some understanding through the scripture of what is taking place in our world and then what we as a Christian can and are supposed to do about it. Uh, the devil would love to see us get distracted from what we're supposed to do. Uh, we don't have to. Uh, he'd love to see us go off in sin and go off in all the things of this world. Uh, but if he can't get us to do that, he'll just get us distracted. And there's a lot of Christians who are fighting noble causes, but they're not fighting the most. They're not fighting the most important battle. Not doing the most important thing. And so that's the purpose of the message tonight. And uh, I've done a, a lot of study about what uh, I'm going to speak on this evening, and certainly not all of it. Um, I, I am shifting my focus. I've, I've asked the Lord uh, this year. There were certain book projects that I wanted to get done. I wanted to get the one done on Bible principles. I know you've all bought that book and, and have read it already and you're incorporating it into your life. And uh, there's one at the, and then Standing Near the Cross was one I wanted to get done. And uh, our staff worked very hard on that. And then I wanted to get A, a Perilous Times Have Come. It's a, a synopsis of Second Timothy chapter number three with the emerging church. And what I believe applies as Paul was writing, I believe what is playing out in front of our eyes. And uh, I know that was is in the editing process, and there's a book on grief. I uh, finished the manuscript on it, and uh, it has never been printed before, and so I look forward to getting that into print. I wanted to get all those done so I could turn my focus uh, to a big project on Satan's culture is what I'm getting to. Uh, if you remember back in 2016, uh, the book Satan's Toolbox, God has used that uh, book, and so uh, this will be the sequel, if you will, uh, Satan's culture. And so this will be part of what uh, will be in there. And certainly um, I planned on doing this book a couple years ago, and a lot has happened in the last couple of years to give a little more clarity. Uh, and so I see the wisdom of the Lord in that. Romans chapter, y'all are tired of hearing all that. Romans chapter number one, uh, verse, no, pray, pray for your pastor. I know you do, but if, you, if, you, if I'm not on your prayer list, put me on your prayer list. And uh, if I'm already on your prayer list, add to all the other things I need prayer for is I feel, and you know this, I feel that uh, God has made part of my ministry, ministry of writing. And uh, I, 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 there's something that I feel very strongly about. And God has given us a wonderful publications ministry and opportunity, not just to affect our world today, uh, but for posterity. And so uh, these are several projects that, uh, because the, the devil does like to stop what God is doing. And, and I, I do personally believe uh, that, uh, I'll use this illustration, when I, I got done with the manuscript of Satan's Toolbox, I sent it to some of my preacher's friends to just look over, and, and it was a different kind of book. I'd never seen a book like that. And Brother Hopkins called me, and he's like, Brother! <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a pretty good impression, wasn't it? And, uh, and uh, he said, I'm looking over this this book, and he says, I tell you, I'm going to put you at the top of my prayer list. 
I said, oh, yeah? He said, because if you're writing a book about the devil, I know who he's going to mess with first. I said, thank you for the encouragement, brother, but, uh, um, but do, do pray for me in that regard, and I certainly appreciate it. Romans 1, beginning with verse 18. We're going to read down to the end of the chapter, and, and, and if, you, if you're familiar with this passage of Scripture, I'll just tell you through, my, through, through most of my life, this has been a hard passage of Scripture for me to get my mind around. This is a sobering, this is a, this is a passage of Scripture that we, like to, we read through because of, we don't want to spend a lot of time studying there because of what it contains. But I believe it's very, very important for you and I to have a good understanding of what all the Bible says, but a good understanding of this because it's so pertinent uh, to our everyday life in doing ministry uh, in the world that we live in today. Beginning with verse number 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, uh, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor, their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change their natural use unto that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who, take, let the gravity of verse 32 sink in for a moment, who knowing the judgment of God, these are those that don't deny God, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, they know that judgment of God is real and that they're worthy of death by His judgment. They not only do them, but look at this last part, but have pleasure in them that do them. What a sobering passage of Scripture. Tonight I want to preach on the title of a reprobate culture. A reprobate culture. Certainly Paul is writing about a reprobate culture. Scripture identifies what a reprobate culture is. 
Now I'm going to deal with some issues, and I know uh, the audience, the age of the audience, and so I won't get into, to, to, to get into things real deep, but I promise you they're hearing more than what I'm going to discuss through social media apps, through children's cartoons. They're hearing more of that than what I'm going to say this evening. And so I'm going to get into the message, give a little foundation. I'm going to use the first three points to identify some things. And then the fourth point, I want to use the scripture to remind us of what can be done and what we should be focused on uh, as a church. But I always want to use the Bible to keep us aware of our responsibility. Use the Bible often. I've gone through the scripture and, I sit, and, I, and, I've, and I've, I've, I've prayed this prayer. Lord, how do I process this? Sometimes it's personal things in my life. How do I process this? Maybe another way of saying it, what do I do with this? How do I deal with this? I don't know if you're like me in this regard. I think you probably are. You see things that are going on in our world, and you, I shake my head. How am I supposed to process this? How, how am I supposed to lead my home, lead my family? In my situation as a pastor, how am I to lead my church in this? And the scripture certainly gives us clarity of how to process things. And so uh, tonight we're going to look at this subject, and I trust that you'll stay with me as we get through things this evening, and I, I, I believe it'll be a help to us. Father, help us now as we look into your word. Uh, Father, the time is short. I do believe Christ's return is imminent. But Father, only you know that hour. And if the hour is not soon, uh, we will live our life and hopefully and prayerfully live it in a faithful manner, make a difference as was preached this morning. And Father, I pray once again that you would empower your church uh, to make a difference, to do what we need to do. Help us tonight. We need your wisdom in navigating this world. We need your uh, help in being a light in this world. And Father, may we keep our hearts turned towards you. May we have the love of Christ. But Father, may we have the stand that we should have. Give us wisdom, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Roman Christian. He certainly is identifying a vile pagan society. I can recall several years ago, I, I had decided to read a biography of Alexander the Great. I had decided to do that because I think in junior high school, I did a research paper on Alexander the Great. So I decided to read a pretty lengthy and death biography in Alexander the Great, and I got through about halfway through, and I was amazed as the documentation of the just vile lifestyle in the Grecian Empire, the pagan society. And as a child, and you grow up in a Christian home, you hear of pagan things, and you hear of the things that take place, but really in a lot of ways, and it's a good thing, we are really sheltered and sheltered from the reality of these pagan lands. I read some on the Roman Empire just for the sake that uh, the Roman Empire was in control at the time that Christ was crucified, but the Roman Empire was just as vile, if not more vile, than the Grecian Empire. You would read and document of the normalcy of some of the most vile, unthinkable things I would not even mention, not just from the pulpit, not in mixed company, but not even in a public setting. 
it was the norm. And certainly we get an insight from Paul's writing in Romans chapter number 1. I want you to notice in verse number 28, there's a word being introduced. This is the second of three times it is used in the Bible. The first time it is used in the Old Testament, but it has a completely different meaning than it is used twice in the New Testament. Once here, once in the book of Titus. In verse 28, and even as they, they like to retain God in their knowledge, and God gave them over to a reprobate mind. A simple definition of that word reprobate is abandoned in sin. Now make note of that definition because it's important as we study out this passage this evening and the central word that we will focus on and everything will be built around is that word reprobate, meaning abandoned in sin. We must note that it is different than being lost in sin. I stand here today... I am, as the choir saying, I've been redeemed. I have been saved from my sins. The day, there was a day I was lost in my sin. But aren't you thankful for God so loved the world? I was not abandoned in my sin. You, if you're saved tonight, you were lost in sin. But thankfully, the time came for you to put your faith and trust in Christ. You were not abandoned in sin. Uh, this world... If they are without Christ, they are lost in their sin. But there, there is a different meaning to the word abandoned in sin. We find in this verse of Scripture, we find, uh, we find uh, this passage a couple of times. We read, and God gave them up in this verse, and God gave them over, meaning God has abandoned them in sin. It means they are without hope. It means they are uh, without reconciliation. Now, we have a God who is a gracious and merciful God, and we will reconcile this with his grace and mercy in just a moment. Jesus came to save all sinners. Jesus will save all, all sinners. But there are some who the Bible says that God gives them over to a reprobate mind. It is something that God determines, and they are abandoned lost in their sins. Now, we could get, there's a lot of teaching that could be done on this, but I want to stay focused on what I want the culture tonight. But let me interject this. Now, there's a long list of horrible things here. It's, that's a, this is not good things to be abandoned to. But I also want to remind us that Paul also writes, such were some of you. There are people who live and are guilty of some of these things, but they have not been abandoned, and I'm going to tell you why they haven't been abandoned in just a moment. I'm going to tell you where that comes from. So I want to say, God does save all sinners. And God will save anybody out of any kind of life and lifestyle. But there are some, the Bible tells us, that God abandons them in the sin. Now, with that as a foundation tonight, I want to get right into the outline. I'm going to say, number one... I want to give us some things that, to help us in understanding a reprobate mind. I've defined the word reprobate, but the first point I want to make is understanding a reprobate mind. This is where I want you to pay, I want you to pay close attention. I'm going to give you several things to think of here. As we look at uh, that word reprobate, we're going to look at the passage of Scripture tonight, and we are going to, I'm going to give us some very, I'm going to give you a brief outline underneath number one that will help us understand what a reprobate mind is. 
How does one get there? Let me just say, you're not born with a reprobate mind. The scripture is very clear that there's something that can take place where God will turn you over. You're not born, you're born lost. They're sweet little babies. I love stopping by the nursery every single uh, service and, and getting them all rowdy and leaving them for the workers. I, I, I enjoy that. But they all need a Savior, just like you and me. But there's something that can take place where God gives over. Are you with me? It, repro, the, a reprobate or becoming a reprobate begins with rebellion. That is key for you and I to know. Because tonight I am preaching on a reprobate culture. So it's important for us to understand that before somebody is turned over as a reprobate, it begins with rebellion. That's why it is important for you and I to put rebellion in the same category as God does. This Bible teaches that from God's viewpoint, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now we would be we would be we would be we would be so offended if somebody accused us of being a witch and worshiping the devil but yet God says if you rebel against me you might as well it it begins with rebellion rebellion against God rebellion against his word that's where it begins now let's notice the prog- progression in verses 18 through 20 We see, first of all, this is the progression, God reveals himself to man. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So that they are without excuse. Well, you have these. Well, what of those that don't believe and those that, that claim to be atheists? God says that every man is without excuse because he reveals his Godhead, he reveals his power. I cannot stand here today and explain to you every way he has done that and every way he does it now. But I'm going to take God's word for it. And God said, every man understands. So it begins, God reveals himself to man. Aren't you thankful that God would reveal himself to man, his holiness, his righteousness, but also his grace and mercy? In verse 21 through 22, we next see that man rejects God. Verse number 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Man rejects God, places himself on the same plane as God. I have this written in the margin of my Bible. It's a good illustration of verse number 22. What does that mean? You have all these woke corporations today and all these things. What it is, they are heading in a reprobate. They're taking a reprobate position. A good example of this, they think they're so smart and say, you know, you know, plan, you know, Planned Parenthood and donations to Planned Parenthood. It was ironic to me that in the last few years, Toys R Us went out of business. 
I, I did a little bit of research on that, and Toys R Us was one of the largest donors to Planned Parenthood. They were so smart and so woke, they killed off their customer base. Hey, look at us. Fools. Fools. God reveals himself to man, then man rejects God. No man will be cast into the lake of fire who has not rejected Christ. None. Because God has offered his son to every man. Then we see the progression as it continues. Look at verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Thirdly, after they reveal, he God reveals himself to man, man rejects God. Number three, man blasphemes God. Uh, I'll read verse 24 again. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie. Friend, you think God takes that seriously? It is blasphemy to take something that God has said and say it's a lie. I'll give you an example. It is blasphemy to say that man has evolved because God has said otherwise. And to turn that truth into a lie is blasphemy. And worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. To take what God has said and reject it, but then they take it a step further. They have to take what God has said and not just reject it, but they blaspheme God by saying what God has said is a lie. And we're going to make what is a lie in our definition truth. Then we see the fourth step of the progression is man is filled with vile wickedness. Notice the progression. God reveals himself to man. Man rejects God. Man blasphemes God. Man is filled with vile wickedness. Verse 26, for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. We believe the Bible, don't we? The Bible is telling us that God reveals himself to every man throughout time, throughout periods of time. God has always revealed himself to man. Then man rejects God. Then he has to go a step further because deep in his heart, he, he, whether he says, you know, somebody, well, I'm an atheist, doesn't change the fact there is a God. Doesn't change that fact. If we get right down to it, you may not understand God, but God, the Bible says God reveals himself to every man. Now, do we believe the so-called atheists or do we believe God? Well, if you're going to believe God for salvation, I have to believe God for the fact that he reveals himself to every man. Then man rejects God, but then he's got to take it a step further because he knows in his heart, so he's got to blaspheme God and say what God says is a lie because he's got to take it that step further. Then man is filled with vile wickedness. You continue to go down this progression. For this cause, verse 26, God gave them up unto vile affections for even their women to change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Let's turn down, look down to verse number 29. Being filled. Man is filled. God says, turn to vile wicked, but it says man is filled. Aren't you glad when you got saved, you got the Holy Spirit? 
And we want the, we got, we got all the Holy Spirit we're going to get, but we ought to live so that the Holy Spirit gets all of us. And to be filled with, now they're filled with not the Holy Spirit, with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. They just sit around and think of evil things. Disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Then number five, after God reveals himself to man. See, this reprobate is a serious word. It's, it's a serious thing. Because we know the nature of God is love, is mercy, is grace. But he's also a holy and a righteous God. Knowing that his justice, knowing that his holiness, notice his perfection had to be satisfied when man sinned against him. He sent his son to pay that sin debt so that his holiness and righteousness could be satisfied. And then he offered that to man. And when man rejects that, then man goes a step further and blasphemes and says, that's a lie. He goes a step further. Man is filled with vile wickedness. It's a serious thing when God says that I will abandon man in his sin. To be lost in sin, we were all lost in sin. It's a different thing for a God who's loving and merciful and gracious to say, I will abandon in sin. How do we get there? Because number five, through that progression, man becomes the enemy of God in spite of the consequences. Verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Over the last many years, there's been so many demonstrations and rallies, hard to keep up with all of them. You go back to about 2016 and all the things that came about after that election and I remember seeing pictures and signs and you had the rallies for the things of good and you had the rallies against the things of good and I don't know if you can remember all those things but one of those anti-decency rallies was a sign and it was mocking Christians. And the sign said if Jesus returns, we'll crucify him again. From the same crowd who says they don't believe in Jesus. Man can get, so who would write a sign like that? Somebody who's been abandoned in their sin. Because man becomes the enemy of God in spite of the consequences. Now, I'll remind you what God has revealed. We already read it, what God revealed to man. God revealed his judgment. God reveals his Godhead. God the Father, God the Son. And man, how do, you, how do you get there? Now, there's a lost world, you and I, and we'll talk about this more in a moment, are commissioned to reach with the gospel. But there's part of that lost world who God has revealed himself to him, and they've rebelled against God, and they have rejected God. 
Then they go a step further and they blaspheme God, turning their truth into a lie. Then because of that, they are filled with vile wickedness. Have you ever thought, how in the world can somebody even think that way? It is because they have a reprobate mind. A normal mind does not think that way. Man becomes the enemy of God in spite of consequences. Now, there's something that we need to establish, and I'll I'll make some applications in the rest of the outline. Verse 28 again, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. A reprobate mind cannot be helped. Cannot be reached. Cannot. How sad and tragic. That's why there are some that God has, and I, I can't tell you, I can tell you, I can take applications from this Bible and I can look at situations and I can look at men and I can look at societies and I can say, based on what I see in the Bible, but there are some that have probably been turned over that you and I would never know. That's God's business. I say that to say, we as God's people, we need to be busy in reaching the lost Because those that we're going to identify tonight, they're busy trying to reach the children. They're busy trying to push their agenda. Well, as we preach this morning, sometimes God's people sit back and we're not worried about it and understanding how it's going to affect us. But in understanding a reprobate mind, it's important for us to understand it begins with rebellion. God reveals himself to man. Man rejects God. Man blasphemes God. Man is filled with vile wickedness. It's a serious thing to reject the gospel. It's a serious thing. The man becomes the enemy of God in spite of consequences. You and I need to be reminded that there are those on this planet, those in this world, those in our country, they hate God. They hate God. And they will do anything they can to oppose him and to silence, foolishly think they can silence God. Well, they, 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 if they're going to try and silence God, who do they have to silence? It doesn't take a rocket science to figure that out. So we see, we understand the reprobate mind. And number two, this is, I'm going to spend a little bit of time in number two and number three, but I, I won't keep us here uh, uh, any longer than necessary. Tonight, but I want us to understand these truths because we need to understand this as the church. Number two, the second point tonight is understanding a reprobate society. A society, by using that definition that God uses, abandoned in sin. Now, I'm going to make a very strong statement that I wanted you to stay with me as I point out some things about our society. I, you don't have to be on the same page with me on this, but I believe our society has been abandoned in sin. And will not change without the judgment of God and destruction. Now, I believe God can do that. I believe God might do that. I remind us, God's church has always been preserved. But our nation has been in rebellion against God for a long time. But I believe that our society in general, I don't believe the majority of people in our nation or of a reprobate mind. I don't believe that at all. But I believe our society has, is in power of the prince and the power of the air. I'm not saying this to discourage you tonight. I'm, I mean, I, 
If you've been paying attention to what's been going on in our country, you're probably not surprised by this. But I'm going to further illustrate this. In verse 25, which we've already looked at this evening, who changed the truth of God into a lie. Evolution is a lie. And our society teaches it to our children and insists that it's the truth. It's a lie. Nobody's ever seen anything evolve. There's no science of millions and millions of years. There's no documentation. Nobody's ever found. They can't even find Bigfoot, much less the missing link. When you think of evolution and what it teaches and what it proclaims, then you get a further understanding of those professing themselves to be wise are fools. It is a blasphemous slander against God to teach that man is here for any other reason than God created them to be in his image. I'll go even further than that. We read, change the truth of God to lie, worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. Global warming is a blasphemous attack on God. And politicians are afraid to say that. Well, you don't love the environment. No, I, I have a Bible. And God gave the world, man, Adam, man, dominion over the world. Now, I'm not for going and burning down rainforest. He hates the spotted owl. I heard him say it. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, what I'm saying is, God gave man, the world, to have dominion over it. Not the world to have dominion over man. And furthermore, you cannot be an advocate of that without denying the fact that God's going to destroy this world anyway. And if you drive an SUV, it's not going to destroy this world any sooner than God is going to destroy it. And it is part of man's agenda. We've got to preserve things because we're going to deny the fact that there is a God, that judgment day is coming. I'll go even further. But you know what? If you say what I'm saying, I've already been canceled 12 times, so I'm okay. You in this society, you don't fit. Because it's a society, in my opinion, it's a societal structure that has been abandoned in sin. It's a reprobate society. In verse number 26, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. Notice the end of this, the end of this verse, speaking of things which is against nature. See, this crowd can't decide if they're for science or against science. Because it's against nature. The Bible talks about there's some things that even nature tells us. Now, obviously, it deals with homosexuality, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, but the natural use of a woman, but also it talks about later in, in, in this list of things, the, the, the different things that, that, that are normal and without natural affection. It's against nature. Abortion is against nature. You don't ever, you, animals don't abort their babies. Next time you see one of these ducks out here, by the way, I, I am going to ask God that, that question. Why did you ever invent a duck? 
And they lay their eggs, and why they lay them at your front door where you got to walk by. You go up there when those little babies are there. Oh, let me go pet that. Yeah, you're about to find out. (laughs) How barbaric do you have to be? It's not natural. It's against natural affection. Abortion is murder. I know that we believe that, but I want to say it because our children here in our society, that it's a choice. No, you have a choice not to live a promiscuous lifestyle. That's your choice. But God is the giver of life. And who does man think he is to stand in the stead of God? Our society is a reprobate society if we go by what Scripture says. I was told recently, and I haven't had a chance to check the validity of it, that there's a legislature, an individual who is talking about introducing a bill, I believe it's in Maryland, I'm not positive on that, that would give a mother a three-day period after the child is born to decide whether or not she wants to keep that child. I saw a headline, didn't get to read it out, where in the, I believe it's just that same area, that same state. It's amazing how much vileness is in Washington, D.C., which we'll get to in just a moment. Where parts of aborted babies were found, it was obvious that they were born before they were aborted. But yet, in the main part of society, for you to take a position like this, God help us. God help us. The, I'm going to try and get all the initials right. LGBTQ. Did I get that right? Nobody wants to see, <laughs> clarify that. It is against nature. Our society gives more standing for those that are against nature than those that are with nature. And this, I know this is labeled as hate speech, so be it. But it is not natural. It is nothing more than man rebelling against God. The Bible says that when God created man, he created man and woman. And they were to leave mother and father. And man was to cleave to his wife. God never changed that. Never changed that. Gender is now something that you hear about often. These people who are so smart don't know what a boy is, don't know what a girl is. Apparently, you got to be a biologist to know what a woman is. God said male and female. So how can there any be, be any other explanation to say that there's all these genders and gender confusion other than to say we are in rebellion against God, we will blaspheme God, we will become the enemy of God. See, when you're a governor, and thank God for Governor DeSantis...
when your governor has to pass a bill that a teacher cannot speak to a five-year-old about changing his gender, your society's reprobate. I believe this happened in Leon County. There was a teacher who had a four, five, or six-year-old in that age group who went to as a little boy or a little girl, I can't remember, and told them that that's not really what you are, changed their name in the classroom, changed their pronouns, had everybody call them by the other name without even consulting the parent. That is a society that is reprobate, and that teacher ought to be in jail. But when you have to pass legislation, what kind of society do you have? When you have to pass legislation, how how gone does your mind have to be when you rank 438th as a male swimmer? Hey, I'm a woman now. I'm going to go win. You hear there's a lot of headlines today about those that are upset about the new legislation. I'll spend some time on it because we do live in Florida. And let me tell you how to solve it. If your kids aren't in Berean Christian Academy, that's just a good way for you to to solve those problems. Certainly, DeSantis through the years has ruffled some feathers. Disney is upset with the governor and has vowed to fight the legislation. Some of you are probably aware of this, but recently there was a Zoom call of Disney board members that was leaked. And my, is it eye-opening and confirmation of what's been suspected for so long. A Disney board member by the name of Alan Marsh was quoted as, we are committed to exploring queer stories and have created a tracker to make sure they are creating enough gender non-conforming characters, canonical, I don't even know what that is, trans characters, and bisexual characters. We're past Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. This is a board member. They go on, another board member said that they are eliminating all mention of ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls in their theme parks so that those who are confused about their gender can have their magical moment too. Disney has vowed to fight the legislation against parental rights. Hey, I like Mickey Mouse too, but I like decency and right a lot more. Think about this. Disney is fighting for child abuse. Disney is advocating abusing children. When legislation is passed for a parent to protect their children from this kind of abuse. You know, you could convince a four-year-old he's actually Spider-Man. 
How confused can you, can you get that child with this kind of nonsense? See, Pastor, you're upset very much so. They are advocating for abusing children. And I'll say this, these, these individuals who push this, these on this board, and I realize that every, I, just take it for what it's worth. I know there's a board, that's what I'm, my whole point is. It's the society has got this place. They would take your children from you. They would abuse your children. They would eliminate you. If they got no problem with a, with a child defenseless being slaughtered, they would have no problem with you and I being taken out of the picture. It is a society abandoned to sin. We live in a society that cancels Dr. Seuss, but not Disney. It's a sad, sad commentary. First of all, when you have to file legislation, but then you have, a, you have people who protest that. Verse number 29. I better get off of that because I'll be there all night long. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers. If we're talking about a reprobate society, you can't leave out Hollywood and the celebrities of our day. What a vile group of people. I realize that in the sight of God, we're all sinners and all sin is vile. But America knows better. America's been in rebellion against God. I would even go so far, there's those who live on social media and the internet and attack churches and people who do right. They use lawsuits and legislation to try and destroy churches and destroy good people. And and I say this, and, and I don't think politicians certainly are not, they don't have the standing with God that preachers do. But, but we ought to pray for the ones that we have. Because their families are constantly under attack. They're constantly under attack. So, Pastor, why don't you ever give any credence or response to any of them? Because I think they're reprobate. I think they're turned over. They're the enemy of God. They're not my enemy. I'm not their enemy. God's their enemy. But we must understand a reprobate society. Otherwise, with those blinders on, it's going to be too late. And some of you tonight, I wanted to bring this up with you. You may know about it, may not know about it. You may want to go home and reevaluate your Disney Plus subscription, prescription, whatever it is. You may want to evaluate the liberty that you give. Disney's not the only one, and I'm not calling tonight. But I don't. I, I'm very. I don't. I don't get on the the boycott bandwagon. I say we preach the truth. We put the facts out there, and as a child of God, we act accordingly. Amen. I want to make you aware of what is going on. But let me just interject this too. If we say Amen, 
to Disney Plus, we probably should say amen to Netflix as well. Oh, now meddling. <laughs> understanding number three, understanding a reprobate government. A reprobate government, by definition, is a government that is against God. It's a government that protects the rebellion against God and punishes those that are for God. And then they celebrate, and they celebrate the reprobate minority. America, the title of this tonight is not a reprobate nation. I don't believe we have a reprobate nation. I believe we have a reprobate culture, a reprobate society. I believe we have a reprobate government. I say that, and I'm getting ahead of myself. People can still be reached with the gospel. And I am getting ahead of myself, and I'll say this again. Hopefully I'll remember it again when I get to the end. But when the veil is pulled back from how wicked and vile society is, I believe it's a great opportunity for God's people in the church. But understanding a reprobate government and with the definition of what a reprobate is and the progression, it'll help you understand our government. A government that protects the murder of innocent children is a reprobate governor, a government who would abuse children with all the gender and trans ideology. We should pray for our leaders, but Joe Biden is more than senile. I believe he has a reprobate mind. I believe Kamala Harris has a reprobate mind. I believe Nancy Pelosi has a reprobate mind. Well, what are they doing? It don't make sense. You've got to understand the context of Scripture. You've got to understand in the context of rebelling against God. This isn't about higher taxes or lower taxes. This isn't about the social issues per se. This is about blasphemy against the Almighty God, that which is against nature, becoming His enemy and knowing history tells you that society does not survive what is being propagated by our own government. They know the end. If they are getting down in the honest, if they're honest with themselves, they know this can't, but they, it's, we're against God so much, we'll go to our own destruction. Joe Biden has a reprobate mind. I believe he's been turned over. Kamala Harris has a reprobate mind. Nancy Pelosi has a reprobate mind. AOC doesn't have a mind. It's important for us to understand what we're dealing with. Now, I've spent my time defining what a reprobate mind is, understanding a reprobate society. And my, my point, that my purpose tonight is to give you some discernment about what the Scripture is teaching and match it up with the world we live in. So number four, I want to... Conclude with dealing with a reprobate culture. How do we deal with it? What do we do? I said some strong things about Disney and others a while ago, and I don't apologize for it. But the way to make a difference is not to lead a boycott on Disney. You say, Pastor, that seems kind of... No, no, stay with me. 
there is a proper way with dealing with a reprobate culture. In Philippians 1.12, Paul writes, But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Even in Paul's persecutions, he understood everything was about the gospel. Everything was the furtherance of the gospel. While this passage of Scripture denied is very difficult for us to even fathom how, and that's why, and I've been praying about this, and you know that even in the last couple of years, there's things that I probably could have taken some time to preach on, and I just want us to stay focused on, on, on what God has for us, stay focused on the truth, stay focused on rearing our families, stay focused on, on reaching people, and we still should stay focused on that. But we don't have these minds, so therefore we don't always identify with them. Why would they? It's a simple explanation many times is God's turned them over. Now, I'm not saying that every person that's affiliated with a political party has been turned over. I'm telling you that I'm making the case for the fact that our society, I want you to understand the progression of a reprobate mind. I believe our government in general, now I understand, I've I've, I've cited our governor. I, 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 I don't know that our governor is saved. I pray for his salvation, but he's part of our government, but I certainly don't put him in this category. But we live, in my opinion, in a reprobate culture. This did not happen when Trump lost the election. It's been happening for 50 and 60 years. America has been rebelling against God. And we've already seen that progression. Now we've come to a place where, generally speaking, this part of culture has become the enemy of God, and now they're bragging about it. So how do we deal with that? We see this passage of Scripture, and there's so much there, more I could have taken time on. But go back with me, and I'll tell you what we do, do about it. We keep that in mind, the furtherance of the gospel. There's either going to be a, while, while one group has the, wants the furtherance of an agenda, God's church ought to have, be concerned with the furtherance of the gospel. Verse 15, so as much as in, before he gets to this list, Paul writes, so as much as in me is... I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Paul did not go to Rome to get new. I'm just going to, I'm just, if anybody's going to get upset at me, I'm just going to get it all out. Paul did not go to Rome to get a new Caesar elected. He went to Rome to preach the gospel. We wouldn't lose our nation if preachers would get up and preach like I'm preaching tonight. And by the way, let me just throw this out there. I'm not going to Washington, D.C. and be told what I can and cannot say to my elected leaders. If they're against abortion, they're my elected leader. I'm going to, as a preacher, as a man of God, I'm going to say, thou art the man. If you know, you know. Preach the gospel. That's what Paul says. I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. You know what this country needs? I said a moment ago, I don't believe we live in a reprobate nation. I believe the average American, the average American, by the way, they're not propagated by the media. I mean, if there's one organization that's got a low, it has a lower approval rating than Congress, it's the media. They're a, what are they? They're a voice piece of, of apostasy. And, and, and reprobate minds. 
Paul said, the furtherance of the come to you to preach the gospel. We need more preaching in our nation. But he also says in verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. In the margin of my Bible, I got this word. I got the word key and an arrow pointed to it. It sickens me to see pride month. I got a question for the Christian tonight. Why is that reprobate crowd not ashamed of what they believe in? They'll identify. There's some Christians that won't identify. You know what the key is for you and me? To not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Pastor, why why do you preach like you're preaching tonight? Are you angry? I can get angry, but I'm not preaching tonight. I plan to preach this message. I would say that I'm heartbroken more than I'm angry. But let me tell you what I'm not. I'm not ashamed. And you cannot believe this book and believe the ideology that we see propagate. Can you imagine? I believe... One, one good thing for this preacher, for this individual, for this, this, this preacher, this child of God, this American, everything that's happened in the last few years, one thing that I, th- I believe, I believe there's more Christians in America than I originally thought there were. Now, there's always going to be those that name the name of Christ, and everybody, every man's got to know, but I believe there's a lot of Christians in this nation. What's the key? We can't be ashamed. Well, they'll cancel us. Don't be, don't be canceled. And by the way, who cares? I mean, the COVID shutdown taught us there's a lot of things that we can't live without. Now, Taco Bell's still delivered, so we're not testing that one. <laughs> please don't miss this. Please, please understand the heart that I'm bringing this with tonight. I, I want us to, we, we can live frustrated and we can live with defeated because this is some serious stuff we're up against. But my job is not to fight the prince and the power of the air. My job is just to be obedient to Christ. So what are you going to do tomorrow? I'm going to try and provide for my family. I'm going to try and watch over my family. I'm going to try and and, and be a good dad, be a good husband. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend time in this book. That's what I'm going to do. I have an opportunity to share that. I'm not going to be ashamed of it. We can't be ashamed. Verse 17 For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We've got to continue to live by faith. We're saved by faith. As I've already mentioned, our nation has been in rebellion, and now we're seeing what I believe are aspects of the world around us that I believe God's turned them over. There's some of these things you can't go back on. Whether we can talk about how it's all going to play out, and America's not in prophecy, and uh, you know, there's, there's. I mean, I'd be. I mean, the the United Nation of Florida sounds pretty cool to me. I mean, I, I mean, I just, there's just, you know, I don't know how it's all going to play out, but I believe we have crossed the line, and God has to do business. But I'm not discouraged because the mandate stays the same. We must be sure in our own salvation. And I'm wrapping up. We must be sure in our own salvation. 
We must not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We must preach the gospel of Christ. We must be surrendered. We must be willing to stand. I'm not going to preach like this every Sunday because there's other things that I need to preach on. But I think preaching like this needs to take place. But this is what we don't need, and this is what I think we've had for the last several years. There's hard preaching like this, and there's name-calling of politicians, and there's name-calling of things like this. But there's no soul-winning meeting in that church to back it up. So in essence, what it is, it's a political rally. Our purpose is the same. I've said this to you. I'm going to continue to say it to you. As a child of God, we ought to enjoy being saved. We ought to go through this life, through our world, go to work, wherever we go, with a, with a joy of the Lord in our heart. But Pastor, you don't know it. I, hey, we've all got burdens. We've all been in places, that we didn't, places in life we didn't want to be in. But God is good to us. And when, you, when, you, when you're happy nowadays, people are like, what in the world is going on with you? Let me tell you how good God is. Uh, it's just for I preach. I'm ready to preach. I'm not ashamed. Don't be ashamed. When you have an opportunity to witness, witness. There's a lot of this. What do you think is going to happen? I get asked at the grocery store. I get asked, what do you think is going to happen? I've been down. I was like, come here. When they lean, this happened at Publix the other night. When he forms, like, Jesus is coming back. And I got a, mm-hmm, you know that's right. That's exact, that's exact, that is exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. Pounded and I was out the door. It was, it was, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Paul made a great difference in Rome. Rome was vile. But to the saints, the household, of Caesar. That's powerful when you put in context. I'm not joining this crowd that's going to be silent, but I'm not joining this crowd that's throwing in the towel and not going to try and do anything to help my nation, help our city. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel. Father, I pray that you'd use the message.